Hi everybody, I felt like I should address a few things that have been happening. One, we are moving to an every other week schedule with the podcast, just to lighten my load and Corey's load. Uh, We work so many jobs and we do not get paid for this job, but we still really believe in the labor and um, we're trying to put in the time, but also trying to make space for our needs. So that is one thing. Another thing to better accommodate our needs is I am dropping the commercial breaks. It was an ongoing joke that I had with my uh, sibling, but um, we have since just decided to, well, I have decided that I just cannot continue making these because it is a lot of work to come up with different commercial breaks and it's not necessarily essential to the content of the show. Um, so I hope that that's cool with y'all. Uh, if you have thoughts, uh, you know, hit, hit us up at Home in the Know on, on Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, we might reconsider. Anyway, hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Ho in the Know, a podcast by sex workers for sex workers, all about this topic of sex work. I am Rock Jock Selena. Rock Jock? I'm a Rock Jock. (laughs) This is a little known fact, but I do um, a lot of rock climbing. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm a pretty good climber, like on a good day. Like I'm kind of getting back into shape after taking a little vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm a Rock Jock. So that's me today. And I'm former twink, uh, Corey. I used to heavily identify as a twink, and now I don't. Oh, man. It's taken. <laughs> Where would you be on the uh, the gay... The gay uh, spectrum. The gay spectrum. Identity. Uh, would you be an otter? Maybe an otter. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little hairier than an otter. Is, oh, are otters, otters are like pre-bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like pre-bear... Post twink, <laughs> yeah. The body grows, the body changes. Yes, it does. Um, um, and our guest today is uh, Adelia, aka Deals. Welcome to yes. the show. Thank you. I feel like I have to come up with something cool now. Um, <laughs> yeah, come up with your moniker. Uh, Daddy Deals. I don't know. I like oh. to be referred to as Daddy sometimes. That's like my OnlyFans name because it makes me feel powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's Tap my intro. into that masculine energy. Yeah. Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hoes. And this week's historical hoe is Jean Genet. I got my information from an article on Wikipedia, the best source on the internet. Jean Genet was born in France December 19, 1910. His mother was a sex worker who placed him up for adoption when he was seven months old. Afterwards, Genet was raised in the provincial town of Algenie et Montfort in the, okay, guys, I don't even know how to pronounce this, uh, Nievre, a department of central France. His foster family was headed by a carpenter and, according to Edmund White's biography, was loving and attentive. While he received excellent grades in school, he also attempted to run away and engaged in petty theft. Shout out to all of us former and current kleptos. After the death of his foster mother, Genet was placed with an elderly couple, but remained with them less than two years. 
He would escape his troubles at night, wearing makeup and spending stolen money. For this and other misdemeanors, including repeated acts of vagrancy, he was sent to Maitre Penal Colony at the age of 15, where he was detained until he was 18, when he eventually joined the Foreign Legion. He was eventually given a dishonorable discharge on grounds of indecency, having been caught engaged in homosexual activity, and spent a period as a vagabond, petty thief, and sex worker across Europe. After returning to Paris in 1937, Gené was in and out of prison through a series of arrests for theft, use of false papers, vagabondage, which I didn't even know was a charge, lewd acts, and other offenses. In prison, Gené wrote his first poem, Le Condom Amour. Uh, God, I feel so bad. Shout out to my Frenchies out here. Uh, apologies. <laughs> which he printed at his own cost in the novel Our Lady of the Flowers. In Paris, René sought out and introduced himself to Jean Cocteau, who was impressed by his writing. Cocteau used his contacts to get Guinée's novel published, and in 1949, when, when Guinée was threatened with a life sentence after 10 convictions, Cocteau and other prominent figures, including Jean-Paul Sartre and Pablo Picasso successfully petitioned the French president to have the sentence set aside. By 1949, Guinée had completed five novels, three plays, and numerous poems, many controversial for their explicit and often deliberately provocative portrayal of homosexuality and criminality. Between 1955 and 1961, Guinée wrote three more plays, as well as an essay called What Remains of Rembrandt, Torn into Four Equal Pieces and Flushed Down the Toilet. During this time, Guinée became emotionally attached to Abdullah Bentada, a tightrope walker. However, fo uh, following a number of accidents and Abdullah's suicide in 1964, Guinée entered a period of depression and attempted suicide himself. From the late 1960s, starting with an homage to Daniel Cohn-Bendit, after the events of May 1968, Guinée became politically active. He participated in demonstrations drawing attention to the living conditions of immigrants in France. Guinée was censored in the United States in 1968 and later expelled when they refused him a visa. In an interview with, with Edouard de Grazia, uh, professor of law and First Amendment lawyer, Guinée discusses the time he went through Canada for the, the Chicago Congress. With enter, he entered without a visa and left with no issues. In 1970, the Black Panthers invited him to the United States, where he stayed for three months giving lectures, attended the trial of Huey P. Newton, and published articles in their journals. Later the same year, he spent six months in Palestinian refugee camps, secretly meeting Yasser Arafat near Amman, proudly, profoundly moved by his experiences in the United States and Jordan. Guinea wrote a final lengthy memoir about his experiences, Prisoner of Love, which was published posthumously. Guinea also supported Angela Davis and George Jackson, as well as Michael Foucault, and Daniel Deferve's prison information group. He worked with Foucault and Sartre 
to protest pr police brutality against Algerians in Paris. In September 1982, Guinea was in Beirut when the massacres took place in the Palestinian camps of Sabra and Shatila. In response, Guinea published Quatre Heures à Shatila. I don't even know. Sorry, guys. Four hours in Shatila. An account of his visit to Shatila after the event. In one of his rare public appearances during the later period of his life, at the invitation of Austrian philosopher Hans Kochler, he read from his work during the inauguration of an exhibition on the massacre of Sabra and Chatila, organized by the International Progress Organization in Vienna, Austria, on 19th December 1983. Gennet developed throat cancer and was found dead at Jack's Hotel in Paris on, 5th, on April 15, 1986, where his photographs and books remain. Gennet may have fallen on the floor and fatally hit his head. It's not known. He is buried in the uh, La Roche Christian Cemetery in La Roche, Morocco. And that is the incredible life of Jean Gennet, this week's historical head. I definitely like to like be my own daddy too, you know, like you make a certain amount of money and then you're like, I'm your daddy. I'm my own daddy. <laughs> exactly. I, I came up with daddy deals because I'm like, everyone kind of uses the word like sugar daddy when, you know, they want rich men to pay for their shit. And I'm like, well, I'm my own sugar daddy. So it's like daddy deals. So taking charge of my own future. It makes me think of the share quote, like, um, I don't need a rich man. I am a rich man. Yeah, that's oh, I so love good. Share's <laughs> the icon we all need. We all need so badly right now. Except for that part where she wore uh, headdresses. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's definitely believes that she is Native American. She's She wants to be Native American so badly. She really does. <laughs> She really does. Like, okay. And she's like a, she has this whole song about like being a Cherokee girl or something. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> what is that fetishization? Like, what is that? Where does I that? I mean, it's like the time period. She was like, what, coming up in like the 60s and stuff? Mm. Like, it was just like, oh, the the wise, brave <laughs> native Indian yeah. mm -hmm. to use the wrong terminology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a different time. Definitely. Um, well, like Selena said, this is a podcast about sex work uh, and, and we have a sex worker. And let's talk today. about it. Yeah. So excited <laughs> to have you. Thank um, you. So you are a pretty big thing on OnlyFans, right? Yeah, I'd say I have like the most, I guess, quote unquote, clout on OnlyFans than everywhere else. Like my Instagram and TikTok, I'd say is more on like the average side. But on OnlyFans, I got super lucky um, because they helped blow it up. <laughs> so what, what, what was the perfect storm of things that led to you having this kind of meteoric success? So it all started, um, I created a podcast that, um, I am now splitting from going separate ways from my partner, but I'm coming out with a new one, but, um, OnlyFans really liked the idea of our podcast that was 
just about OnlyFans and empowering women and I guess normalizing sex work, especially in the OnlyFans space. But the the more we got into it, the more we were trying to empower like all kinds of sex work, whatever women choose to do or men choose to do. And um, OnlyFans just really liked that and started blowing it up. Wow. What's the name of the podcast just so that we can plug it? Of course. Um, it is where are OnlyFans, but um, that is the podcast that I'm no longer a part of. Uh, so go to my Instagram, what is the deals to find my new one coming out soon. Cool. Oh, very cool. Um, and so it was the podcast that really launched your success. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it was the podcast and OnlyFans really gravitating towards it. Um, they were trying to have more of a mainstream media audience on top of having sex workers. So having a podcast all about OnlyFans, um, they just love the idea. So they just reached out to you and then, yeah. 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 One episode deep, they reached out and were like, we love this. <laughs> and they were like, if you put your podcast on our platform and uh, – like go on OnlyFans TV, which is a new platform that they're doing that's supposed to be safe for work. Um, they were like, we'll help blow up your podcast. So we're like, sick. That's wow. amazing. That's really interesting. So there's been this ongoing tension that we've been talking about, which is essentially that sex work uh, or that like OnlyFans has largely profited from and gained notoriety because of the sex work content that it hosts. But in it's kind of like behind the scenes work. It's been doing a lot to distance itself from that in order to go public and find a different kind of way of being profitable. And you're kind of like involved in this firsthand, like seeing what they're doing, right? Yeah. So I do like see what they're doing behind the scenes. And um, what I do know is OnlyFans is only going towards the more mainstream audience and having only fans TV and having these other sectors, um, because they want to be able to get investors. And a lot of investors don't want to associate themselves with sex work, which is super unfortunate. But, um, I do know that they're not straying away from sex work. It's just in the public eye. If they want to get investors, they have to show it as more of a mainstream platform. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting. I mean, do you think that I know that you have like a personal stake involved in this. And so it's like hard to be non-biased in it, but um, what would you, let's just put it this way. Like, what would you think if they ended up like very much distancing themselves from the sex work content aside for like, especially the things that are like X rated, like showing genitalia and stuff like that. And the sex stuff, like, what mm -hmm. if they just did like the panty flash videos and that was like the extent of how explicit they got? How would you feel if that was a change that they made? Um, I would definitely feel strongly about that since sex workers did help grow their platform to what it is today. But um, knowing the behind the scenes of what's going on, I do know that sex work is going to continue being part of their platform. They're just expanding their platform. But, um, you know, if they told me one day I have to stop masturbating on camera, I'd have definitely have a problem with that. <laughs> is, is that the majority of the content that you make? Is it is it masturbating videos or other stuff? Um, I do a, a lot of different stuff. I think the only thing I haven't done yet is like a full blown sex tape because 
I haven't found a guy that I want to hook up with enough for a sex mm. tape. Mm-hmm. Um, that will come when I find a man that like I would like to do that with, but I do a lot of girl on girl. I do a lot of solo and actually I found out I'm like definitely bi after doing a lot of OnlyFans content with girls. So that's something new. <laughs> Amazing. Finding your sexuality through pornography. You know, I feel like sex work just expands your view of like where your sexuality can go just because you have to try so many things. Yeah. Um, I just remember like growing up, there was always like an urge where it's like, I kind of wanted to hook up with girls, but I thought it was just my bi curious stage. And then, um, finally, like now that I'm like eating girls out for only fans and they're eating me out, I'm like, okay, yep. I really like girls. Mm-hmm. I really, really like girls. So I'm trying to explore that now too. It's really fun. So, um, where are you from? Um, I'm from LA. Oh, okay, cool. And it's, I mean, LA is a pretty liberal city. I mean, here we are, we're all here. (laughs) Oh yeah. I I mean, I grew up in a, like, uh, I'm trying, I I grew up in the South Bay and in the South Bay, it's a little more conservative. Um, like I grew up with extremely conservative Christian parents who I think took a toll on my mindset on life for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's taken a lot of effort on my end to unlearn the prejudices that they put forth. So sometimes I'm still catching myself nowadays being like, wait, I I can't be thinking that way. Like, that's not right. And it's like, I'm hearing my mom or dad's voice saying something, um, that is just not the way I think. So, um, yeah, growing up, growing up in a very Christian city. And how old are you right now? 24. Okay. Um, and like, do your, so do your parents know that you have an OnlyFans? Yeah, they actually just found out like two months ago. Wow. (laughs) Um, How did they find out? So my dad got a really long text from someone in his, like their little church community saying that they were concerned about me. And I had already been avoiding my parents for a few months because I just don't necessarily, like, I know that they're my parents, they're my blood, but we just have such different belief systems and I don't want to surround myself with their negativity. Mm-hmm. But, um, someone sent my dad a really long text and then he went out of his way to go on my only fans and look up my nudes. And I just thought it was a really weird situation. And he did that to like shame me. Oh, so I'm no. like, all right, you're getting blocked. Um, my mom still tries to have me around. Um, but like, she just will always make comments like, you know, like Jesus did, like, I'm trying to save you. And I'm like, save me from what? Like, this is my, I really like this. So save you from financial independence. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So before OnlyFans, did you do any sex work or were you thinking about sex work at all? So there was actually a really long time where, um, I think I had an idea about OnlyFans and, um, so like, I've always kind of had a slutty Instagram. Um, I, I wasn't involved with sex work. I definitely considered stripping a few times, but my inability to walk in heels or dance (laughs) me. Um, but it took me a while to finally decide to make one. Um, and I really thought the decision through for months and months. Um, I had a corporate job beforehand where I kind of hated life and, um, I was, like people were asking me on Instagram all the time to make one. 
So finally, I was just thinking like, wait, do I have a problem with OnlyFans or are, do the people around me have a problem with OnlyFans? And when I was really able to decipher like what the voices in my head were versus what the voices around me were, I was like, wait, I don't have a problem with OnlyFans at all. Like I'm just going to make one. And if I lose friends, they weren't really friends to begin with. Um, so I, I worked in corporate America for like a year and a half before I decided to make one. And how long have you been on OnlyFans? Uh, since like the last week of October. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's been not very much time. Do you started in the middle of the pandemic? Is that correct? Um, I'm trying to think. So I was in Arizona. So the middle of the pandemic for everybody else versus in Arizona, I think it's very different. Like Arizona was pretty much open. Yeah. Yeah. I just mean like, as far as it was 2020, right? Yeah, it was 2020. Sorry. <laughs> And so you make this OnlyFans and when did you start the podcast? Was it like pretty immediately or after? Um, so I decided to make the podcast. Um, I, I remember the idea with making an OnlyFans was that I wanted to empower women. So within like a month of myself making an OnlyFans, I, uh, I came up with the name and then I'm like, I need to, I'm excited to do this. So it was, it was very quick. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, how did you conceive of your name? The we're only fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I thought of the name because of how much shit from like my family and people I knew I was getting for even making an only fans and the we're only fans was supposed to be ironic being like, I guess like we really are our only fans. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that love us, but it was supposed to kind of make fun of all the hate I was getting. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, so, I mean, let's maybe just backtrack a little bit. How many followers do you have approximately on OnlyFans? Right now I have 190 something thousand subscribers. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> and, and these are all paying subscribers, right? Um, actually, no, I have a free account. Um, so they're not all paying. Oh, okay. So what, what percentage pays or, or how many do you know that are paying? Um, I'm trying to think, um, definitely not all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. if I had a like guesstimate, I'd say like about a third to a half of them pay for something a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's still like a really high percentage. What made you decide to do like a free account? So my logic with that, so I kind of tried both a paid and a free and, um, with OnlyFans themselves putting me on suggested and helping me blow up my account. Um, you know, people didn't really know me as a person. So these people weren't diehard fans. They weren't like a cult, like following, like a lot of these YouTubers or TikTokers have. It's like most of my subscribers were coming from OnlyFans themselves. And then like, there's a smaller portion that are coming from Instagram and TikTok. Um, so my logic there was like, I want them to have the opportunity to get to know me. So then they want to pay for stuff so that I do kind of gain a cult like following through OnlyFans. So what you're posting on your free account is more personal, more like bloggy type things or. Um, I wouldn't say that, but it's like in the DMS. Um, 
like I definitely post thirst traps on my wall feed, but it's like in my DMs, I try to get to know my subscribers. I try to get them to get to know me um, so that they are more likely to buy. Uh, and mm -hmm. the correlation between the two, like if I'm not on my account as much, like my numbers drop, but if I'm messaging my subscribers, like constantly my numbers go up because that's how I'm gaining traction but being free. Um, when I was a paid account, which I even tried dropping my sub price to like $3, which I think is the lowest you can do mm -hmm. while they had suggested, it just wasn't making nearly as much money mm -hmm. because these people didn't know me and didn't have a reason to want to pay $3 a month. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's definitely interesting to hear the different strategies because I know mm -hmm. a lot of people, want to just go straight to um, having a paid account just because it is like sensitive data that they're releasing. And it is, you know, it's a big thing to just like have all of that accessible to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what you're saying is essentially like you have this huge level of visibility on OnlyFans, which is like a very notorious platform. And, um, and so you don't fully get to sort through who sees that. And that led to some, um, like you said, bullying. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I have been bullied, I think, a lot. I mean, I've honestly been bullied for even my Instagram since I was in college. So it doesn't really phase me anymore. Um, if anything, I... I have like a really weird logic to it now where it's like, if I'm able to get that much of a rise from people for being myself, like I'm doing something right. And I think that's a mindset more people should adopt because it almost makes me feel like powerful. Like, yes, I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. And what, what kinds of things have people said to you? Um, I mean, even my own family has said stuff like I don't respect myself, that like what I'm doing is dirty and degrading. And um, people say like I'm taking the easy way out. Um, people say I'm taking like the easy way out by like doing sex work versus doing any other job, et cetera. Um, and then it goes on and on. I mean, that's more of like, I guess, morally what they say, but they also attack my looks, the so like weight, et cetera. Really? Mm. Um, yeah. TikTok is a mean place. <laughs> it, it is really mean. I mean, the internet is a really mean place. Mm -hmm. um, and you're also very young. Like I know that 24 feels pretty old, but it's, it's still pretty <laughs> young. Um, I mean, did you feel like, did you have people to talk to while you were starting to go through this outside of um, your now former co-host of the podcast? Yeah, so I have been a big advocate of therapy for a very, very long time. Um, I try to go anywhere from one to three times a week right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how I'm doing so well at coping. Um, and I really recommend therapy for anybody and everybody. Uh, it's just, it's really helped me come to my own. And, um, this might sound good or bad to some people, but I just swear by psychedelics to help you come to terms with what you want and who you are. Um, like I made the decision to make only fans on acid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just like such a, yes, I'm doing this. And like, just acid helped me do that. <laughs> oh, can you again, your audience.
I'm sorry, what was that? Your your audio is crackling. Is there something with your cord that's maybe wiggling or, or something like that? No, um, it could be my Wi-Fi. Should I try the other room? Oh, this is good, actually. It... Again? Now you're cracking on my end. Um, let me see. I have another room I can go to that's more central to the Wi-Fi. Okay, cool. I hope it's not us. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody here in our Wi-Fi. Yeah. All right. Is this good? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, perfect. I can hear you guys now. All right. My dog wants to follow me. Webs, come on. Come up here. <laughs> come on, Webs. Um, okay. Did you guys, uh, should I say the last part over again? Or yeah, did you yeah. hear that? Yeah, yeah say, it, say it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'll just start from the therapy part. Um, so what's helped me cope a lot is going to therapy and I go to therapy anywhere from like one to three times a week and something else that I've done that, you know, it's not necessarily right for everybody, but it's helped a lot with me is taking psychedelics to come to term, um, you know, with what my opinions are of myself and what I want to do. And I decided to make an OnlyFans on acid. What, what was your introduction to psychedelics? <clears throat> to psychedelics. Um, so my introduction to psychedelics was I'm a big raver. <laughs> <laughs> I really like dubstep and I just, I mean, it was just kind of a snap decision. I was overtaking Molly because I think I overdid it for a while. And um, my friend, when I was at Ultra Miami, was like, here, try this whole tab of acid. I'm so glad I only took an eight. That would have actually killed me. Um, and then after I like took acid that first time, I was like, I love this shit. Started taking acid a lot. And then, um, you know, the older I got, the more acid kind of started affecting me with my sleep schedule and energy levels. So then I got introduced to mushrooms as a lesser version of acid. And now I take mushrooms a lot to help with like my anxiety and depression. So do you microdose? Um, I wouldn't say I'd microdose. I'd say I take as many as I possibly can until I throw up. Um, <laughs> that's, that's definitely like opposite. the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I definitely microdosed when I first started taking mushrooms, but like, um, I don't drink anymore. Um, I go through phases where I drink and don't drink, but, um, during like the phases in my life where my anxiety is really high and I'm like kind of depressed, alcohol is a depressant. So it just kind of adds to that. So then instead of drinking, I just take a lot, a lot of mushrooms. And then I'm like, yes, let's party. I don't need alcohol. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's, that can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so how have you found community or in sex work? Is it mostly through TikTok and Instagram and, um, or is it through your OnlyFans? Um, it's actually through my OnlyFans. So I signed with an agency and through the agency, they keep introducing me to other girls to collab with because, um, something that, you know, the agency has taught me. And even I have noticed through my own OnlyFans is that there's usually a buying cycle for a lot of your subscribers, unless they're diehard simps for you and you only. 
Um, but for majority of your subscribers, there's like a buying cycle with, you know, they buy a few videos and then they don't really buy again. So something that really helps is when my agency, and this is like what they do, they set me up to collab with other girls who are around the same percentage or uh, it's hard to get around my subscriber count, but they try to set me up with people who are making about the same money as me. And, um, we collab and then we, you know, when you collab, you get their subscribers, they get your subscribers and then the buying cycle starts again. Um, so, and then through collabing with other girls, I think I've just, I've met some of the best, nicest girls I've ever met in my life. Like they're so open-minded and so sweet. And I think the sex work community is just, uh, warms my heart. Wow. That's really beautiful. Um, so can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about what your agency does for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so they go over some strategies with me to help maximize, you know, how much I'm making because, you know, it is a business. But um, my agency, like, pays for collab trips and uh, helps set me up with some girls so that I am able to make these connections since otherwise I just, I don't think I would be able to, I used to try to DM girls on Instagram and you know, you didn't know if they were sketchy. Like one girl I collabed with ended up being a little crazy. And I'm like, at least in my agency, I know it's a pretty safe bet (laughs) that these girls are going to be great. And, um, then, Oh, okay. uh, So they vet them out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and what percentage does the agency take? Uh, my agency takes 30%. Okay. How do you feel about the percentages? I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, they do a lot, a lot of work on the back end, um, from like supplying accounting stuff to getting stuff taken out off of Reddit. Um, so they do a lot of other things that I think the 30% is worth it. But I'd say like the biggest advantage is just, um, them going over strategies with me and helping me collab with other girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely like this. I mean, I think I've seen with most of the successful, um, like OnlyFans creators that like they do have an agency backing. Um, have you found that that's the case or do you think that the independent creator can do just as well? Um, I, it, it kind of depends. Um, it depends on how much time you have to really go over everything. So I think agencies are super helpful to creators um, because they, they go over strategies with you. Not everyone necessarily has a business mindset and agencies do. You know, different agencies do different things and some aren't the best. So you definitely have to find the right one. Um like I, I was with an agency, I think for about two weeks before I fired them mm-hmm. because my numbers went down so much when I was doing their strategy that I was like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I was making way more when it was just me. Right. What are some of the most useful like tools that you've found for being successful on OnlyFans? Um, I would say TikTok is probably the most useful tool, even though you can't mention anything about OnlyFans. Um, I have honestly had some of my biggest spenders come from TikTok. 
And the trick with that is I try to make like a lot of kind of sex jokes on TikTok or joke about how like I'm just a hole or joke about how I'm a cum dumpster, which is just really funny because I don't even really have sex. (laughs) Um, But like just making little jokes like that and like those TikToks blowing up and I redirect those people to my Instagram because TikTok will delete you so quick if you have a link that has your OnlyFans in it. Um, so if you have like a link tree and your OnlyFans is the first thing to pop up, like TikTok can just delete you and you won't be getting your account back. Um, so what I do is I redirect the traffic to my Instagram and in my bio, I'm like accounting link in my Instagram. Uh, and then people go from there. And a lot of my subscribers are from TikTok, actually. Um, Instagram is becoming a little bit easier to grow because they're trying to mirror some of TikTok strategies with their reels. So Instagram is also a really good place to redirect traffic. I know some people who do Twitter and uh, Reddit, and I just don't understand them. So (laughs) I stick to what I know. So it's kind of more like, um, it's like the publicity end. That's, that's where you really build like more than necessarily like, I don't know, certain content doing better or certain like engaging with customers in a personal level doing better. Although that, that does sound, I mean, you mentioned earlier that like for you to remain visible, you have to have like a certain level of interactions with customers, correct? Yeah. And I think just interacting with customers and being very on top of that, it, uh, it, it's, I thought it was a given for most, um, well, actually it's funny because my first week of having an OnlyFans, I think, uh, what I did worst was responding to people until I realized how important it was (laughs) to get people to continue to want to buy things for me. So actually it wasn't a given. I actually had to learn that the hard way. (laughs) Um, and then there have been times where my numbers drop and then when my numbers drop, there's basically a direct correlation with how often I'm on my account and how much I effort I put into responding to my subs. Right. So are you making daily content or, you know, how frequently are you posting? Um, I post almost every single day. There's like two days a week where I give a break and just want to talk to the subs. Um, but pretty much every single day. How many hours do you dedicate per week to OnlyFans? I dedicate a lot. I <laughs> it, It's kind of hard to put a number on it because like sometimes I literally will go out and party just to go out and make OnlyFans content at the bar. Or, um, sometimes when I'm driving around, I make a web content in my car. So I'm trying to think of like an exact number. But it's definitely a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is like the out and about content look like for you? Um, the out. So I try to create like a little bit of a storyline um, because I mean I'm already a really horny person, so it just like works for my personality, anyways, for me to be like you know what, I'm going to go to the bathroom mid me dancing at this bar to go use my vibrator. Cause I feel like that's not very far off from my personality of what I would do anyways. <laughs> so it's just like kind of putting things that 
you know, are relatable to people or that do embody my personality and like making content with it so that people, one, I feel like get to know me a little bit better, but two, they're like, Oh my God, no way she's doing that at a bar. No way she's doing that at a restaurant or no way she's doing that in her car on a busy street. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of creating that suspense and intrigue, but also having them get to know me a little bit better. I try to mix it up a lot. Um, so that no one ever gets bored because you know people do get bored if you post the same thing over and over again which is also a mistake I did when I first started (laughs) so just got to get creative with it yeah um so are you filming most of your content like on a phone or do you have another system a way that you like to film I film on my phone um it's a lot of my subscribers, um, because I've had conversations with a lot of them. So the reason that they buy my OnlyFans content instead of like going to Pornhub and, you know, Pornhub is high quality production for the most part. Yeah. It's like 4k. It's like, huh? it's like 4k. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but what they've said is like when it's on a phone and when, you know, it might be like lesser quality, but they feel like it's just for them. And mm-hmm. they feel like it's more personal. Um, so that's uh, why I don't really do OnlyFans quote unquote photo shoots and take like high quality nudes or anything like that. Because based off of my discussions with my fans, at least, they really like the home style stuff. Right. Like the yeah. POV videos or the low quality or like my hands shaking while my legs are shaking. Like (laughs) they just want that lower quality for them content. Um, Yeah. They want the realness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even when you're filming with other people, you're still using your phone. Yeah. I mean, I have a tripod in both of my apartments. Um, Sometimes we'll do like POV when it's with another person. Um, So yeah, basically tripods, POV, or sometimes I'll like balance my phone on my water bottle if I'm out in public and try to do (laughs) something. Um, (laughs) So we got to get kind of creative, but I know the the subs appreciate it. Right. Do you feel like people have started to be drawn to your personality um, as your base has grown so much? Yeah, I think the reason a lot of people like me is for my personality. <laughs> um, I I mean, I would say, like, as far as OnlyFans content, I think there's people who do more than me or maybe can, like, be sexier than me or because um, I've never really considered myself a super sexy person until I started making OnlyFans content, and I have definitely got more in tune with my sexuality. But um, I think people like my quirky dorky personality and that's why they want to buy stuff from me Mm. do you ever incorporate that sort of like dorky side of yourself into your scenes like do you do cosplay (laughs) or um i don't do cosplay but um some of my commentary in the videos i make is definitely funny like sometimes when I'm collabing with girls, I just say something like so outlandish that they like burst out laughing. But, um, I mean, it, it depends on like what I'm feeling in the moment, but I definitely incorporate my personality into a lot of videos. Like I wouldn't really do things in my videos that are off brand. Um, because I think that's what my subs appreciate about me. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you had to like 
learn how to have sex with women? Um, I actually just made a video about that where um, this girl taught me how to eat another girl out by eating me out and then I ate the other girl out because I feel like with the I mean it's funny that I have an OnlyFans but I have not been the most sexual person in my life like I'm always horny but does that mean I have sex with people no because it's very very hard for me to connect with someone on the level to like want to have sex with them yeah so I feel like I'm kind of a a beginner like a novice in the sex world and now I'm like finally getting to like know certain things and learn certain things and I'm practicing the gluck gluck 3000 for whenever a guy's available (laughs) um but I really do give a lot of that credit to OnlyFans because I was always so nervous to test out things in my sexuality and um, now I'm finally getting that confidence to be like, all right, I can try this now. I can be confident. Even if I'm not good, I'll get good. So <laughs> practice makes perfect. <laughs> so very true. Um, <laughs> I definitely like can relate to that. Like, you know, you learn a lot when you get into the sex industry, you, you know, and hopefully you want to learn a lot, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like having to perform sex acts and be good at them (laughs) but like quote-unquote good it it definitely is like there's like a way to like be good at it uh but like maybe that doesn't necessarily extend to your own personal sex life like maybe it's Mm -hmm. just all of this technique that you use for this thing but like when you're just on your own having sex for yourself you're a different person (laughs) do you find that you have that separation? Um, well, honestly, (laughs) I don't think I've ever had like really, really good sex until like three months ago when I was hooking up with this guy. Um, and then I was like mind blown and it just sucked that like, I mean, me and him, I feel like knew, like we weren't meant for each other, but I was definitely digmatized. And then <laughs> I went on another break from having sex. Like I haven't had sex with a guy in a while because um, something I identify as is like heteroromantic, although I'm bisexual. Um, like I enjoy hooking up with girls. I like the sexual side of things. It's not that I'm against dating a girl. I just have yet to meet one who I'm like, oh, yeah, I would date her. Um, so, you know, I, I still have yet to see that. But uh, I just started hooking up with girls more and more. And I, it was for OnlyFans content. But, like, I, I was just hooking up with a girl for OnlyFans content. And then we continued hooking up after, you know, the cameras were done. So I'm like, oh, this is this is nice. <laughs> I knew what she was doing, like, more than any guy I've actually ever hooked up with. So, um, (laughs) so I'm, I've actually thought about her a lot since after that. (laughs) Clitmatized, I think is what they call it. Oh, clitmatized. Pussy whipped. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pussy whipped. Oh my God. Like I would fly out to her just to hook up with her again. (laughs) (laughs) And what's nice is we both have OnlyFans. So not only do I get like pleasure, but it's like business too. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Have you found that it's like been easier or harder to date with an OnlyFans? Um, I actually think it's been easier to date in a very, uh, like, 
I'm trying to, uh, so before I made an OnlyFans, I think I wasn't the most confident person. Um, I had a lot of anxiety. I don't think I had a lot of substance to myself because I was living for other people, wasn't really living for myself. I was just going through the motions. And with that, I feel like when I liked a guy, I'd cling on to them, even if they didn't really like me back. (laughs) And for the first time ever in my life, I think, um, and it's with a lot of therapy and going through the motions that I have had to, to be a confident person. I now have multiple guys who are interested in me and it's almost like now I'm not interested in dating them because I have all this stuff going on and I just don't think anyone's really matched my level. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been easier because no one ever wanted to date me before. And now all of a sudden I got options. Mm-hmm. Do you is it do you think that more people want to date you because they know you have an OnlyFans or is it just like the confidence, the confidence that, that you have now? Yeah. I don't think it's because I have an OnlyFans. I think it's the confidence that OnlyFans has given me. Um and also just I mean, on top of having an OnlyFans, I just think I'm doing a lot to um pursue different careers and kind of be on top and uh, be an entrepreneur. So the guys who have shown interest in me really respect that entrepreneurial spirit. I don't know if I said that right, but you I did. Just went yeah. for it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I think uh, they're like this one guy who I am kind of interested in. It's just he's coming in at a really weird time in my life. Um, he like said, I kind of inspire him to want to like do better at his job because of like how passionate I am with everything going on. So I don't think it's the only fans. I think it's the combination of things. Mm. Huh. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it can be hard to, to juggle all of these things. Um, but also like I've found personally that like sex work has been kind of great for dating <laughs> in a weird way. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, um, the people who have been into me as a sex worker have been like more of the people who I want to date, like, because they're like on board with, you know, a certain lifestyle that, Definitely. yeah. Like, I think that if you're not okay with that, like, or, you know, I found with other partners that like who I started becoming a sex worker while dating them, like they had to adjust to it, to, to the change, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and it is a big change and like, I don't know, my perception of myself and my perception of sex and my body and what it means to share and to like, you know, to do all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see yourself as monogamous since, you know, you, you, you know, do you see yourself as monogamous? Yeah. I mean, I guess and and monogamous, uh, is, is a term that like is so I think different for sex workers too, because there's like, yeah, the commercial aspect where you're having sex with other performers to make money together collaborating, but then there's like the romantic monogamy or like the kind of sex that you have with a partner being a different kind of monogamy, like a different kind of sex. That's like only that you can kind of only have with them, but maybe also not like it's hard to define sex. (laughs) So this is something I've actually been thinking a lot about since, um, (laughs) since I've just kind of started experimenting more and more with girls, because it's funny, like earlier in 
actually just earlier this year in general, I just started making only fans content with girls. And then it is just like slowly progressed. And like, now I enjoy it sexually. So when I am dating a guy, um, I mean, I will be hooking up with other girls, but like, I will not be hooking up with other guys. Like his dick will be the only one inserting me, but like (laughs) girls will be fucking me with a strap on for a wife content. But a lot of the guys I've talked to don't seem to have a problem with that. They either like want to watch or want to hear about it. And it's like, since I do consider myself hetero romantic, um, I I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how to define this. I feel like for girls, I would not be monogamous, but for guys, I would be. Mm. Okay. Do you feel like it's a little bit condescending though, for them to, to not take it as like, as seriously, or is it just like, well, they understand where you stand. I think going into dating me, they know where they stand. Mm -hmm. I'm very open about the content I make. And I'm not really changing for anybody. Like, I'd rather stay single forever than stop doing what I'm doing to consider someone's emotions that are just kind of preventing me from furthering my career. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I don't need a boyfriend that badly. <laughs> like, I really yeah. don't need a boyfriend at all. So, and I actually, one of the girls who I had just hooked up with, um, her boyfriend lets her hook up with whatever girl she wants to. Like, he's fine with it. So I know that there are men out there who like love that idea. Mm. Um, so what about your like super fans? Do you have any like super long-term clients who have, you know, ridden with you since October and are pretty obsessed? I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship um, like with them? Honestly, it's really good. Like it brings me joy talking to them because like my, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of fans I have, you know, I have some of the fans who are like, why aren't you doing this on OnlyFans yet? This, 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 your prices are too high. Like all they do is complain. But like these diehard fans are the ones that like make my whole day better. (laughs) Um, like they comment on my Instagrams, they comment on my TikToks. I just feel like they're some of my biggest supporters. And it's like, I genuinely really enjoy having them on my page. Mm. Do you ever get overwhelmed with having to entertain so many people? And I mostly mean that in the sense of like the private DMs, because it's like a lot of either custom content or custom conversations that you're having with a lot of different people. Yeah, I mean, it can definitely be overwhelming. I would say I'm overwhelmed majority of my days. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I just, it's so worth it with everything I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like it's very um, gratifying, but also just like financially uh, worth it. It's like hard to say no to Mm -hmm. that kind of subscriber count. Yeah. And some of them, like some of them really like to have conversations with me about like a lot of my interests too. So like mushrooms, dubstep. So a lot of the conversations are well worth it. <laughs> so you said that you have other entrepreneurial, uh, ventures. Um, what are some of those? Definitely. Um, so I started DJing, um, 
with having my OnlyFans. I actually have an OnlyFans page dedicated to DJing. Um, and I'm starting to Twitch stream um, very soon. Um, I just have to figure out the coding and get all of that um, started. But uh, DJing is something that I'm being able to pursue. Um, I know down the line, um, I either am going to do stuff with my own DJ career or help other people with their DJ career through my platform. Um, so uh, I'm starting to produce music and getting all these lessons and stuff like that to really get that going. Um, the other thing is my podcast. Um, you know, me and Wolf had a good run, which is the abbreviation for Rare OnlyFans. But I think going off on my own, I'm going to be able to really make this my own and make this my baby and uh, really further my career with that. And I also have a foundation uh, that we filed paperwork for that's specifically for helping, helping dogs. Oh, oh. nice. I yeah. like that it's woof. And then, and then your heart is in the, the puppies. The- it really <laughs> is. I was a foster parent for an animal rescue growing up. And I mean, my dog that's laying snoring next to me right now, <laughs> um, she was a stray just running on the streets and I've always had a passion for this. And it's just crazy that OnlyFans is what has allowed me to finally, uh, I mean, I, my goal down the line is to make an animal rescue of my own, but until I have time for that, I think just fundraising through my foundation is good for now. Yeah. I think I know, like I know so many sex workers who have like, like, uh, a love and passion for like animals and or children. And I think it shows like the amount of just like compassion and patience and like, like, and how lovable like sex workers can be. I don't know mm-hmm. if you found that as well. Um, Honestly, I think the sex workers I have met have been some of the best people. Like, I mean, they're becoming some of my best friends. Um, I think the only sex workers I haven't got along with are the ones who talk down on people posting different content than them because I just think that's degrading to the community and like the opposite of empowering when you talk about like someone someone giving a blow job and how gross that is and like you're doing better because you're just posting your tits so but other than that I have loved the sex work community mm. yeah what do you feel like the biggest misconception uh, people have about you is right now I'd say I'm trying to think because I I hear a lot of things. Um, I do know there's quite a few people who think I took the easy way out by doing sex work and that I am uh, disrespecting myself by doing this. But I think, I mean, one, sex work is not the easy way out. It's honestly a really hard job because you're betting on yourself for one. You're really like, this is one of the jobs that it's like, you're your brand or like you're your product that you're selling. It's not like you're selling someone else's product or selling something you don't believe in. It's like yourself. And it's a lot of effort to get people to want to buy stuff from you, to grow that following, to grow that audience, to continue to have people be interested in you. And, um, for the people who think I'm disrespecting myself, I don't think that like, I think this is respecting myself more than any other thing I could have done (laughs) because it's what's making me happy. And how could I be disrespecting myself when I'm choosing my heart and what's making me happy? 
right? That's so important. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like uplifting, um, you know, advice for young people who are interested in getting into OnlyFans? Definitely. Um, I would definitely say that like, you know, OnlyFans is not for everybody. I would put a lot of thought into making one before you make one, but you know, do it for you. Don't do it for anybody else. And it is such a rewarding business. Um, and I think it just helps you get in tune with your sexuality, grow your confidence and all of that fun jazz. So, um, I'd say just put a lot of thought into it and follow your heart. Great. Amazing. Well, on that note, we are reaching the end of our time. Uh, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me at what is the deals on Instagram. So deals is spelled D E E L Z. Um, it's, that's also my TikTok, And then my only fans, uh, is onlyfanscom slash daddy deals. And, uh, my podcast or not my podcast, sorry. Uh, my DJ Instagram is onlyfans.com slash DJ deals. Perfect. Um, you can find me at the goddess Corey on Instagram, on Twitter. I have a milkshake. It brings the boys to the yard and you can put the links in it. I'm Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. Um, check out our podcast at Ho in the Know, spelled Hukes in the Nukes, uh, and yeah. support us there. And uh, make sure to like, like, uh, subscribe, subscribe, do all the the nice things. Give us a comment. Yeah, all that great stuff. <laughs> so helpful. And that's it. All right, everybody, have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. Bye.